Good to see everybody tonight. I got a little started a little late. I was visiting with Drew and All right. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. I asked um, Kevin to do our microphone, so if you have a comment or question, just raise your hand and Kevin will work his way over there and make sure we get you on on the microphone and and people who are listening through live stream, YouTube can hear you, so we appreciate, appreciate our, I call them the microphone runners. Turn over here to Matthew 20. Uh, in Matthew 21 through 6, we looked last week at the uh, labors in the vineyard. And um, can somebody summarize, talk to us a little bit about what that was about or what is the, the takeaway in the labors in the vineyard? The kingdom of heaven is like a house who... Um, who went out, master in the house, went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Yes, sir. Okay. So, was that unfair? That he paid them all the same? They all hired on for the same amount. They had an agreed upon amount. He's having trouble getting the microphone to you guys. You got to help him out. So, yeah, remember you need the microphone. All right, it's hard to get used to. The ones that had worked all day thought it was not fair. Okay, the ones that worked all day long thought it was unfair because they had been there the longest and had sweated the most, right? And had worked under the the. the, They did agree to work all day for the price he offered. So, yeah, the the. Price that they were paid uh, was the price they had agreed to work for, so there was nothing unfair about the contract. Um, Glenn mentioned sometimes in the business world you have these young guns that feel entitled or they think they're special or somehow should be compensated more and, and they get to feeling cheated or treated unfairly. You know, their compensation is probably fair, very fair. They just think they deserve more. And, you know, sometimes we see that happen. In this case, um, I don't want to spend too much time on the parable, but who can tell me these laborers that worked all day long and felt like they deserved more, who do you think Jesus was drawing a parallel to or who was he comparing them to in real life? Anybody recall? You get a good workout when you do this, so yeah, you just have to run over there and okay there were two there were two classification yeah, it's a hard job, sorry, Kevin, so no, he may quit in the middle of in the middle of his first day, uh, you know we'll double his pay. 
<laughs> you are correct, uh, Paulette, that it could represent a, a, a person who's been a Christian all their life and labored in the Lord and spent countless hours serving the Lord. And basically at the end, the reward's the same for somebody who may have been a Christian for only a matter of weeks. And due to accident or, or untimely death, or maybe they're in terminal stages of illness, they pass. But yet, we believe God is going to give the same heaven to all those who are welcomed, right? And, and that's fair. That's the way it should be. There's, a, there's another possible meaning here in, in context, and that could be the Jews who were under the covenant of Moses. It was a very works oriented law, right? They had lots of festivals. They had to observe a lot of commandments and animal sacrifices. The priest had a lot of duties. There was just so many things they had to do as part of worshiping God. So it was very works oriented. Jesus comes along and then starts talking about grace and mercy and forgiveness and and the law of grace and the law written on your hearts, not a law written on tablets of stone. And, And so what we find, Paulette, is Paul and Peter out there sharing a message of love and grace and the gospel message with Gentiles, we see Jews who are beginning to say, they don't deserve this mercy. They don't deserve this grace. They haven't worked so hard all of these generations like we have. The Jews, we're entitled to receive more compensation. If, if you want these Gentiles to come on board, they're going to be required to do certain things in order to be saved like we are. So it was kind of this legalistic system of the Jews, uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders who did not in any way welcome the Gentiles. And one thing I love about a lot of parables, the hero of the parable in some cases was who? A Samaritan, you know, one that's hated by by the Jews. So um, yeah, so it's two possible meetings, but we know that, that the father can be gracious and loving and and generous. And if he wants to pay somebody that's worked an hour the same as somebody that's worked all day long, that's certainly up to him. He's the father who's gracious and loving. And so I think if nothing else, the takeaway here is that God is a very generous and loving and gracious father who uh, chooses to be generous to some that we may not want to be that generous toward, but yet he is. So... Um, any other questions or comments about last week's parable? Parables are pretty straightforward. Um, there's generally not a whole lot of debate about what they mean. We just have to kind of remind ourselves the application, what we can learn from them and apply it in our lives. Similar to what we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, a really interesting parable. So let's turn to Luke 11 and see what we can figure out is going on in this parable. So, in my Bible, the heading says, The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Everybody know what the Lord's Prayer is? We could probably recite it. It's not very complicated. This is a a different variation of the Lord's Prayer, not like one we hear in other Gospels. But it says that when Jesus was praying in a certain place, he finished. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he says, well, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us day, 
each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us, <clears throat> and lead us not into temptation. Now, this is the uh, English Standard Version, Luke 11, so it's a little bit of a variation on the, on the normal Lord's Prayer that we quote uh, and have memorized. But we know it's a very short uh, prayer. It probably lasts 30 seconds or less. It could be quoted in probably 20 seconds. And um, it only has, in this case, this particular rendition is 36 words, very short. So it's interesting that they asked Jesus to, to teach them to pray, and he gives an extremely short prayer. Now, we can get back to this temple if we have time, but what's interesting is he, he gives this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and then he jumps right into a story, verse 6, 5, and he said to them, which of you has a friend um, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, and that word's an interesting word. Uh, We'll talk about that in in a minute. He will arise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So we'll talk more about that in a minute. So basically, let's talk about what's happening in in this um, prayer. The first thing that happens is this guy who is knocking on the door... Uh, he he needs something. He has a need. What is it that he needs in the story? He needs three loaves of bread. He's very specific request because he has an, a guest who's shown up, right? He didn't anticipate the guest coming. So all of a sudden this need has popped up. Hey, somebody showed up. They're staying with me. I don't have any bread. It's like at midnight, he's knocking on his friend's door. Hey, my friend. I need bread. I've got a guest. I've got to feed him. I want to be a host. So what is, what is the response of the, of the house owner at this late hour when his friend knocks? Is he, is he welcoming? Is he res- responding in a positive way? No. no. What, what's he saying, Roy? He's saying that I don't really have the time now to do this because my children are asleep and I am trying to do the best I can to to get him through the night. Yeah. And he doesn't want to give up and go through rambling through all the stuff and waking the kids up and the wife, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Kevin. You ran that time. It's hard. And All right. I wrote down, and you're right, Roy. I wrote down, good grief. It's midnight. What are you doing knocking on my door? You know, it, I'm asleep. Uh, why are you disturbing me? The kids are here in bed. We're all asleep. We're tucked in. The door's locked. Why do I need to get up? And so, uh, what does the friend say? I want you to get up because I need what? 
I want three loaves of bread. I got a friend coming. I don't have any food. I want to be a good host. Can you help me out? So this person who's knocking on the door rather persistently uh, says, I need something from you. I don't have it. Will you give it to me? The friend, is he willing or unwilling at this point? Yeah, no, I really, I don't really want to get out of bed. And so this is kind of interesting that even if you have a good friend, like, uh, you know, if I were to go over to a friend's house and knock on their door in the middle of the night, it, it better be a good reason. It better be an emergency. You know, it's certainly not asking for bread. Hey, can I borrow a can of soup or can I, can I, you got something in your refrigerator I can have? You know, they're probably looking at me. Are you crazy? What are you doing waking me up at midnight? I'm already in bed. The alarm's on. So it's typical for humans when we get this kind of request that's out of the norm you know, an unusual request. It's typical for humans, uh, especially when it's inconvenient to say things like, don't bother me. I'm, I'm occupied. I'm busy, right? The house is locked up. The door is locked. It's late. We're in bed. I like you, but the answer is no, go away. What are you, what are you doing? But yet, the friend the friend was reluctantly willing to give him what he needed, right? So what's our takeaway on on this parable? What can we learn? Okay, over here. We'll do Glenn and then then Roy. All right, he's a-coming. Thanks. All of us have a comfort zone, and we've all been in that situation where somebody's come to us wanting us to do something to help them or to help others, and it always gives you a little bit of a, mm, you know. Yeah. And it's not ordinary. It never comes as an ordinary request. We're, we're great on ordinary stuff. It's You know, David said one time, he said, I'm not going to do anything for the Lord that doesn't cost me something. Well, if we could just shift into another gear, downshift, and shift into another gear and say, Lord, you're calling me to do something that's out of my comfort zone. Now, how am I going to respond to you? Am I going to be out of sorts and turn my back on them? I'm already out of sorts, so that's already down the road. Am I going to, what am I going to do now? I'm out of sorts. I'm out of my comfort zone. Am I going to show my worst side or your best side? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and it always comes, seems like, more often than we plan It's always out of the blue, and we've all been there, and if we haven't, we're not paying attention. But that's a natural response for people that something's out of place and out of time, and we're supposed to do something. Go away. I'm in bed. Leave me alone. The kids are asleep. Right. You're waking everybody up. Well, I've got the mic, Tom, and I'll go ahead and say this and then let somebody else have it. But... Uh, On the Lord's Prayer, I know we zipped through that pretty quick, but I think Jesus was sending a message there within a message to them when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Yes. Well, basically, I think Jesus was telling them, "This, this is your basic need prayer. This is the prayer that you're whispering under your breath. Uh, You're you're reminding yourself that I I need to be as generous as I want others to be with me. 
uh, I need to I need to care and show I care. And it, there's a lot in that little prayer. The, yeah, that, you can spend a lot of time just studying the Lord's Prayer. You start prayer, connecting you? the dots, and it's much more than just a 30-second prayer. Right. It's a prayer from the heart. It's a prayer from the soul because mm-hmm. he says pray, pray without ceasing. Well, to me, that's one of my pray without ceasing. Uh, I'll be going along, and I'll be thinking, man, I'm hungry. And I think, well, you haven't eaten all day. That's mm-hmm. the Lord's wake-up call for you. And and he said, ask God's guidance and and uh, uh, counsel in these little things that appeared at, at the time not that important. Yet they're the the very they're the very essence of life. We eat, we pray, we we interact, and so I think that prayer. You start thinking about that prayer, and then making applications to your daily prayer life. And it makes more sense. I like the other rendering of the Lord's Prayer where it says, forgive us our debts as we have basically forgiven, you know, as we've forgiven others, forgive us. It's a conditional forgiveness. Um, let me ask a question to the class. In, in this parable of the persistent friend who, who knocks at midnight, who do you think the homeowner represents in the parable, who who's the homeowner in in the application here? Okay, why why do you say that, Roy? It's it, it's God with the Holy Spirit, and and I believe it has a lot to do with He is telling you that if you really want and be persistent at what you ask for then it will be given unto you if you believe it's going to happen that way. Okay. I believe that's pretty much what he says. Now, as far as the uh, getting up in the middle of the night, those of us that were in the military used to have to babysit our troops, even though they weren't there in our little circle all day. And right. We run, we run across that a lot. After a while, you get used to it. And as they, the more persistent they are, the more you give more instructions during the day to get them where they need to be. <clears throat> As, as you're going through, uh, I think I'm going brain dead now, so you might want to. Okay, let, let me ask a question here. Uh, if the Father in heaven represents the homeowner, we can certainly learn that there's a benefit in being persistent. Is that a, is that a fair uh, conclusion about this parable that we being the one who makes a request, even if it's an odd hour or an odd time and, and, and maybe for even an odd thing, does the Father ever say, go away, I'm busy, I'm, I'm occupied, it's late? Okay, we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. Yeah, Ryan, you have a comment? I don't think he ever says, go away, but... He may not answer us right away. Okay, talk about that. And and back to you asked who was the who was the homeowner, and obviously it is God, the Father, the mm-hmm. Father, because He is the one who's in a position to give. Yeah. Yes. And I absolutely. think the I think the answer here is interesting too when He says "Go away." Okay, because we need to remember the Father is is in a position to give. Because if the answer was "I have no bread." What's the point of being persistent? Good point. Right. So right. We, I think we always need to remember that Father is in a position to give, but sometimes he wants us to be persistent and reliant 
Why would him. God say no, Ron, to a prayer that we offer up from a very sincere heart, and we are we are persistent in that prayer? Why would He say no? Well, I, well, I think everybody in this congregation knows that a lot of times God has a bigger and better plan. Yes, and but we're just so close to the issue that we don't know it at the time. Maybe we ask for something with the improper motives. Maybe we think there's something good out yeah. there that we need that God knows really could be a detriment to our spiritual yeah. growth. But sometimes know. even our motives are good, but he has a, something so much better right. uh, in store for us that the answer is no, because it, yes. it's, it's, it's not in compliance with his plan. That's a great, that's a great comment. Thank you so much. So in, in context of what Ryan is saying about God answering prayer, what do you think are the elements of a good prayer? What should a good prayer have or not have that we offer up to the Lord? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Maybe a good place to start would be the Bible. Paulette, Paul, hang on just a second. Okay. I'm going to quit talking. No, it's fine. Oh. You can talk, but use the mic. Okay. It's Great. not what you want. Say, God, your will yeah. be done. Yeah, not my will, right. but your will. Now, let's just face it, Paulette. In, in our human walk, right, there's going to come times where we or a loved one desperately need God to intervene. Would you agree? Yep. Emergency rooms, you get that call in the middle of the night, somebody's got a serious illness or there's been a car wreck or, you know, somebody's fallen and, and they're hurt. Somebody you love and care for, is it proper to just pray about that right away? I think you should pray a lot about it. I, I, the one thing that stuck in my mind about Brother McCarty was him talking about when Sean had his wreck and he, the last time he prayed, God, I need an answer and I need an answer tonight. That's, that's a beautiful story and I've heard I, that I never, I'll Tom. never forget that. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's Brother McCarty done it the way he should have done it, and God answered it the way he intended it to happen. He went out into his car and prayed most of the night. And he said, Lord, you know, we're, we're kind of at a critical juncture here in, in Sean's survival. He's either going to make it or he's not going to make it. And, you know, I'm, I'm asking you to intervene. And, I mean, here's Sean right here. He makes us all laugh. We're glad he's here. He's part of our congregation. I think we're glad you're here, Sean. We might want to just take a vote, but no, I'm just kidding. We're really, we really are glad you're here. But that was a beautiful testimony of Tom's faith when Sean was seriously injured. And that particular night, if I remember the story correctly, uh, they weren't sure if he, Sean was going to live or die, right? And so uh, wonderful testimony to prayer. So the elements of a good prayer should have a specific request or need, right? And um, we're, we are warned against vain repetition, you know, in our standard prayer where we get up and we speak, maybe in, in a worship service on behalf of others. Uh, long prayers, Matthew twelve forty. Jesus talks about the Pharisees who love to stand up and be heard for their long prayers, and they say these eloquent long prayers not to petition God but to impress the listeners, which leads me to another point on prayer, and that is God knows uh, our hearts, right, when we pray. He, he knows what we need already before we even pray for it, so why pray? If God already knows the need, 
Why should we pray for it? Say what, Glenn? He wants us to petition him, to come to him, uh, and ask him uh, for what we need any time, day or night. So be careful with those long prayers. Be careful about vain repetition. If you tend to heap up phrases in your prayers that you use over and over again, ask yourself, why do I use these phrases? Maybe I should just speak from my heart and talk about what's going on that day in the congregation or events in the world. Rather than use filler phrases, stop and ask yourself, what do I really need to ask God today on behalf of the congregation? And so... um, a couple of things I wanted to mention about this parable, very specific application. Um, this, this prayer was offered, I think, uh, to the Father. Um, there is no request or no matter how big or small that's, that's an inconvenience to God. You see, that's what I love about this parable. Our Father in heaven is not going to, you know, if we're knocking uh, symbolically on on. Uh, the Lord's door and saying, Lord, I have this request. I want to come to you. Never would he say, go away. Now, the answer may be, Ryan, not now. I'm going to ask you, dear son, to wait. I'm going to ask you to wait. I'm going to postpone an answer because I have something better in store and I want you to think and continue to pray about it. But I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with persistent prayer, persistent prayer. But we have to be willing to understand, Ryan, that God's answer may be no. All right, let me give you a quick example. I've told you this before, but I'll always remember this till I die. Dear, dear friend of mine, Ruth Orr, who went on campaigns in Africa and in and, and, and Poland, and uh, she, she, she had a beautiful relationship with her husband, who was a minister. He had cancer, uh, cancer in the brain. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed, and she felt convinced in her heart that God was going to answer her and cure her husband. In her heart, she believed that 100%. But God said, no, I'm not going to cure your husband. I love him. He's done a wonderful work as a minister, raised a wonderful family. But no, I'm going to take him home. You see, and Ruth realized later that God's answer, while it wasn't what she wanted, it's what God needed for her husband to take him home, to give him that reward, to let him have that peace. Ruth realized later that without her husband, she was actually more free to begin doing the things that she needed to do to dedicate her time to the Lord full time. And she now went into like overdrive mode for mission work and World Bible School, and she had all these little preacher men out in Nigeria that she loved and uh, and, and Ruth would literally get calls sometimes at 2 in the morning from her preach. She called them her preacher boys in Nigeria. Ah, Sister Ruth, Sister Ruth, you know. They didn't even realize the time difference, but they would call her, and she'd sit up and talk to them and encourage them and pray for them, and she'd out, be out raising support for these preacher men, doing such a fantastic job uh, for the Lord. And so while her heart was broken and while she lost her husband, while she did grieve, it also gave her an opportunity to launch into a different kind of ministry and service for God that she could not have done had she been with her husband. So I see some wisdom in that, where God said, no, I'm, I'm not going to answer your prayer. I'm going to take him. Uh, it's going to be the answer you don't like. 
So continue to, to go to God. Um, I like the persistent widow parable. We haven't talked about that yet, but the one that goes before the pagan judge, and, uh, and she's relentless. So I, I think, uh, and Glenn, you made reference to this earlier. I think that God most appreciates a request from a, a very childlike heart, a simple prayer. It doesn't have to be eloquent. God already knows our heart. He looks into our heart and sees, and here's what we say. But a simple request offered in simple trusting faith, uh, perhaps the sweetest prayers the Lord ever hears are the ones that are from children. Uh, it's just my opinion. But they're the sweetest prayers. No big words, very simple, very heartfelt. And uh, to hear a child pray is quite encouraging. Did you have a comment, Glenn? Hang on just a second. We'll get, we'll get Kevin over there. Thank you, Kevin. We're giving you a good workout tonight, Kevin. Um, I'm reminded of David. Uh, t- to me, he is such a paradox because he did so many things wrong. He messed up with his kids, his first family. David was, David was a king, but he sure wasn't a flawless one. And the fact that he, on the heels of being a murderer, killed a woman, had adultery with her, uh, uh, had sexual relations with her, impregnated her, and then goes to God in prayer when they have the baby out of wedlock and says, save this baby. Put Shack, uh, so the, the thought of prayer, deep prayer and humbled prayer, the sackcloth and ashes, he put them on. He did everything that he knew to do as a Jew to please God. Prayed his heart out for this baby, which he conceived in sin. We get to thinking about, can I sin enough to separate myself from God? I don't think so. And David's a prime example of that. If I learned anything from that man, he messed up something awful through his entire reign as king of the Jews. And the Jews think he's just top of the line. And yet, he was a flawed man, as all of us are. Mm-hmm. And if Satan can ever convince you that you are flawed and you're beyond God's mercy, grace, and the Holy Spirit to guide you, then he's got you. He's convinced you to go the wrong way. I've always loved Psalm 51 where where David penitently comes to God and after this is after the child passes, you know, and, and I see David maybe crumpled up on the floor in, in a very contrite position. Um, and he says, create in me a pure heart. Let not your spirit depart from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. In other words, he realizes, God, I've, I've, I've really messed up major. I've abused my power and I've committed adultery, first, first degree murder. But yet, God, I still seek intimacy with you. Will you allow me to continue in this relationship? And, and God did. And again, it, it, it's a beautiful testimony to God's mercy and grace, the power of his love and forgiveness. We would sometimes give up on ourselves, but God hasn't given up on us. And so I don't, I don't want this to be taken wrong, but David is a little bit of an inspiration to me. If somebody can mess up that bad, you know? The anointed one, God's chosen. If somebody can mess up that bad multiple times, cause people to die, commit murder, adultery, uh, and and yet God use him and later be called, I'm like this is a shocker, a man after God's own heart. Well, there's hope for me. I mean, wow, I was sort of inspired by that. And... 
I hope that, that I can always remember that God loves me sometimes even when I give up on myself. We talked last Sunday about the three omnis. Do you remember that? The omni sermon Sunday morning? Let me ask you a question, kind of an application question about the three omnis, uh, omnipotent, uh, omnipresent, and omniscient. How do those three characteristics of God relate to prayer? When we pray, which one of those omnis do you think we see in God? Anybody have a thought or idea? Okay, uh, yeah, I was thinking the same one, Glenn. Have you, can I bring the mic over there and get you to expound on that? All right, so tell me, tell me why you said all three are present when we pray to God and he responds. Why are all three characteristics of God present, the three omnis? Well, uh, go back to the beginning. Uh, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the symbolism, it's not just symbolism, it's truism. It is facts continuously recycled to us and saying, well, if they don't, can't figure it out this way, maybe they'll figure it out that way. But there is so much. You can go to the Bible where you use David as an example for messing up and getting, getting God's great get, uh, the omnipresence of God and his understanding of it. He, he is messed up. You know, our kids sometimes will do things that will just leave you stunning. No offense, David. But, they, you know, children will do that. But when they're young, they'll just stun you with some things that they will do and try to get by with. And yet, as a parent, we can relate to all of us that our parents can relate to that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing my family, any of them, could do that would alienate me from them. Amen. And hopefully them from me. Yep. And that's a love of God that transcends even my understanding mm-hmm. because he says, I am love. Amen. If you don't get me, you don't get any of it. Yeah. And so uh, to me, the Holy Spirit so often out of the three, though, of God's omnipresence is the Holy Spirit. That's the one we struggle. I struggle with. Yeah. I pray for Lord. Help me just don't pray for my needs or the needs of my brothers and sisters. Yep. Help me pray the way the Holy Spirit leads me to pray because he can define in me and in your word things that I can't do otherwise. I don't know if you recall the showdown on Mount Carmel where the prophet was basically saying to the priests of Baal, you know, they're cutting themselves, shouting, dancing around, trying to get the attention of their God. You remember what the prophet does? Hey, uh, he, he may be preoccupied. Maybe he went to the restroom or, you know, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he doesn't hear, shout louder, cut, you know, gash yourself more, let more blood flow. You're not getting his attention, right? Remember, it was, it was sort of chiding or, or joke. Yeah, he was poking fun at them. And then he basically, according to God's instruction, completely submerges this, this, this altar in a, in a moat of water, right? And then, and then just simply says, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm going to step back. And boom. You know, it was sort of like, I, I love the omnis when it comes to prayer because where can we be where God doesn't hear us? Nowhere, because God is everywhere, right? When we make a request to God, is there anything like the man who had the three loaves where 
you know, I can't give you your request. I don't have it. God has unlimited resources. God spoke the universe into existence. What does he not have that we need? You know, when we start really praying in faith, it makes our problems a lot smaller, doesn't it? You know, we, we, we get all stressed and worried about these things. It's like, this is a mighty God who spoke the universe into existence. He's all-powerful. What can he not do? His resources are unlimited. He is everywhere all at the same time. And, and so, omniscient. He, he knows our prayer request before we make it, right, Glenn? But yet he asks us to pray anyway. Not for his benefit, but for our benefit. So, interesting things about prayer. We've got just a little bit of time. I, I wanted to mention a couple of things. In the NIV, in this particular parable, we see... We see the man that's knocking on the door at midnight requesting three loaves of bread, sort of making an outrageous request, right? Some people would say, well, that's uh, impudence, persistence. Uh, he, he, was, he was perseverant. He had, uh, I think the, the NIV uses shameless audacity. How dare you? How dare you knock on my door at midnight and make this request? God never does that because he's a God who understands our request 24-7, you know. It's just, it's very comforting to me to know that God is listening all the time. All right, um, very quick, in verses 9 and 10, we see Jesus make an application, and I'd be amiss not to mention this in our parable on prayer. Uh, So let's go down to verse 9 through 10 and then 11. All right, and I tell you, Jesus says... Um, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Now, what's interesting about these three statements is what does the Father do before we do nothing? All right, listen to that question. What does the Father do before we do nothing? He does nothing. Right? Why does he do nothing? Because Jesus says you have to do three things. Is ask a verb? Is seek a verb? And is knock a verb? These are things that are dependent upon us to say, Father, I'm praying you to open up your storehouse of blessings on me, but I know you have the ability and the wherewithal. I know you hear my prayer. And so today starts the the official request for this that I believe I need to serve you better, right? But those benefits didn't come until the prayer did. Everybody follow that? Everybody, does that make sense? It's there, but it doesn't come until we ask, seek, and knock. Doesn't matter when we ask, seek, or knock. If we ask these things according to the Lord's will, in the name of Jesus, I believe God provides. Ask, seek, knock. Then he transitions to verse 11, and he talks to these uh, earthly fathers who are in ear range when they've heard this parable. He says, hey, how many of you guys out there are dads? I am. I'm a, I'm a dad. I have a son. 
What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? Well, I I wouldn't do that. If my son is hungry and he wants fish, I'll catch him a fish or I'll buy him a fish at the marketplace. I wouldn't give him a snake. That's silly. That's an inappropriate gift, isn't it? Something to harm my son. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? By the way, snake and scorpion, do you see a trend here? These are harmful. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I thought that was interesting. Because he's not only talking about giving good gifts, but now he's very specific in identifying the Holy Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit something we should pray for according to what Jesus tells us in Luke 11, verse 13? What do you think? I see Glenn shaking his head. Holy Spirit, good or bad? Of course it's good. It's God. Why would we need the Holy Spirit? We've talked about the Holy Spirit in lessons in the past. It helps us to discern. It helps us to understand God's Word. It aids us and gives us peace and comfort in troubled times. Um, The Holy Spirit, a lot of times, is associated with God's gifts that He gives us. So this is something that we pray for. So we're out of time, but let me just say that uh, in summary, if your earthly fathers love their sons and they know how to give their sons the things that they need that are not harmful but beneficial to them, that's precisely what Jesus says in verse 11, 12, and 13, then don't you think your heavenly Father knows what good gifts you need? And specifically, he mentions the Holy Spirit. But I do want to stress tonight, going back to verse 9 and 10 of this chapter in Luke 11, that Jesus tells us specifically, ask, seek, and knock. I believe that that's important. We need to ask in faith. Lord, provide these things to us. We ask you to give them to us. I appreciate one group of leaders in a large congregation in Kentucky And I was reading a chapter about their amazing growth. But in one chapter, it was talking about the power of prayer that these leaders had learned over the years. And they said that when we met together as spiritual leaders of this congregation, and we we discussed and prayed about particular needs that we had or things that we saw as roadblocks, that we we would begin to craft a specific prayer that God would help us or assist us in this area to help us grow. They said, but we didn't just stop there. I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. He said then we would, we would actually ask things that were so incredibly unlikely for us that when God answered them, there was no question that it was his blessing. In other words, we could look back and say, is there any way that we as a group of men could have done that? The answer is, no, there's no way any of us could have done that. How in the world did this happen? It was of God. 
It was a blessing from God. And it was so audacious, so incredible, and so bold in their request that they said it was God. We asked specifically for God to do this, and he has. I like that. That showed some real faith, showed some maturity. We're out of time. Any comments or questions as we close tonight? Did you learn anything tonight about prayer? Some good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for your input, your comments. And thank you, Kevin. Okay. Dale, did you have somebody that's going to do prayer? Kevin? Okay. Kevin's been working hard tonight. Thanks, Kevin. So, Kevin, if you'll kind of pay attention to our announcements, we can take specific names and prayer requests. Kevin's going to lead us in just a moment. All right. Uh, Today is December 7. Anybody remember what happened a long time ago on December, what? Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Uh, I don't remember that because I was too young, but I wanted to just read something real quick. Uh, I saw this posted. Today we remember Pearl Harbor and those lost on December 7, 1941. Um, just before 8 o'clock a.m., Japanese forces surprised America with a devastating attack. That was probably an understatement. Um, hundreds of planes descended on the base, killing more than 2,400 Americans, destroying nearly 20 Navy vessels, 300 airplanes, and eight battleships. The USS Arizona had a 1,800-pound bomb, smashed through the deck into its forward ammunition supply. The ship exploded within minutes, sank with more than a 1,000 soldiers trapped 
inside. The only blessing really from that day was that um, there were aircraft carriers that were not present. They were normally docked there uh, in the, in the bay, but in the Pearl Harbor, uh, they were not there that day. And then Franklin D. Roosevelt asked Congress to declare war on Japan. And you may have heard the speech today marks a day that will go down in infamy. Um, it's it's a very rousing speech. But I thought about two things that we as Christians could apply if we go back to Pearl Harbor. One is there is an enemy that wants to harm us, uh, and he's very stealthy, very crafty. Uh, the Japanese, my understanding, I'm not a historian, there are other people that know a lot more about history, but Japan was actually involved in going through the... Um, uh, peace talks and acting like they were wanting to reconcile with nations, and yet they launched the attack of Pearl Harbor. In other words, they were being intentionally deceitful. Do you know anybody like that in our life? Satan, right? The master of deceit, a father of lies. So just as a warning, um, if something sounds too good to be true, or you know in your mind and your heart it's wrong, but you want to do it anyway, and Satan's whispering and convincing you to do it, don't listen to him. He's, he's a deceiver. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is preparation, because we know that we're going to be attacked as God's people. We see attacks all the time, and what helps us to be ready is to continue to study our word, just like you're doing tonight, to, to be here in Bible study, to hone and sharpen your skills, to be a good student of the Bible, to hear the little voice inside your head when something happens and you say, what does God's word say about that? What should I do? And listen to that little voice that is educated and trained in, in God's word. Unfortunately, in Pearl Harbor, there were several uh, errors, things that were missed, beginning with a radar. A person who detected the planes reported it, but it was uh, disregarded. Had they caught that and been prepared and ready and alert, Pearl Harbor might have been avoided, or at least with fewer casualties. So two, two applications tonight. Um, be ready, be prepared, and realize that there is a deceiver out there that wants to harm you, Satan particularly. So the invitation is yours tonight. Uh, whatever we can do to help you in your walk. We're going to sing number 537 when all of God's singers get home. We can look forward to that one day. Dale? What a song of delight in that city so bright will be wafted neath heaven's fair dome. How the ransom will raise happy songs in his praise when all of God's singers get home. When all of God's singers get home, where never a sorrow will come, there'll be no place like heaven. singers get home. Having overcome sin, hallelujah, amen, will be heard in that land or the foam. Every heart will be light and each face will be bright when all of God's singers get home. When all the singers get home, whenever a sorrow There'll be no place like home when all of God's singers get home. Please be seated.
quick announcements tonight, and uh, Kevin will be leading us in just a moment. So I would ask you when you uh, make an announcement or have a specific prayer request, we'll get Kevin to record that. The junior and senior high Christmas party will be at the church building Saturday, 6 to 9 p.m. The theme is Christmas morning. There's a breakfast food sign-up on the youth board. Uh, Students are encouraged to wear pajamas, Christmas pajamas, and bring five stocking stuffers. Parents are welcome to stay and eat and observe the games. We'll be caroling at Brookdale uh, Nursing Home. This is Saturday at 1.30 p.m. and Dogwood Bend at 2.30 p.m. So we're going to do two facilities on Saturday. We need you at 125 at Brookdale. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, I guess, caravan over to the next one following. So they, the residents really enjoy this. We appreciate Howard coordinating this. Remember that this Sunday is also our fruit basket delivery. And uh, look at the list on the foyer. If you can take a basket, that's great. We will be taking some baskets to our uh, elderly members, a few of those that we'll be caroling into. So I think what we normally do is if you can carol and deliver baskets, just stay afterwards, have a little potluck. And then we'll get on the bus and make that um, caravan uh, following services on Sunday. Ladies are invited to a luncheon December 15 at 11 a.m. at the home of Judy Wallace. There is a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and we need to sign up by December 11. And uh, if you would like to bring your Christmas cards for the church family, we do have a a distribution box. You can put those in alphabetically. We need those... um, by Wednesday, December 14. What is our count tonight? 99. Okay. Okay, so folders uh, are for pickup, basically. So uh, what Brian is asking, if you can go through there and see if you have any Christmas cards, that'll that'll free up the folder a little bit and, and give them some room. So check that tonight before you go home, see if you've had a, a surprise delivery for a Christmas card. All right. Prayer request. What's going on out in the family? Anybody want to give us an update? Jeannie? Uh, yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Great. So a a little brother. That's great. Congratulations, Brinkley. We always celebrate with an aunt. She's an aunt. Wonderful. All right. So Brinkley is an aunt. All right. Um, Any updates on Roger? How's he doing? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, well, we'll be sure to pray for Roger that he continues to get stronger, and he's had some stents in his heart, and uh, they're working, focusing on his kidneys now. So, um, let's see. I did get a call from uh, Jeannie Miles. Jeannie uh, had to go to the emergency room last night. She's feeling better, but hadn't slept in about two days, so I'll check on her again to see how she's doing. But just keep Jeannie Miles. Um, one of our members that can't attend services. All right, anyone else? Oh, okay. All right, sorry to hear that. All right, anyone else? Yes.
Okay. Glenn Burge. B I R G E. Burge. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Was that Calvert? Calvert. Okay. The Calvert family did, did have a loss and pray for them. All right. Kevin, you got everything you need? All right, Kevin. Thank you. Kevin will lead us in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, our Father, we are so humbled, Lord, uh, that we can uh, come to you, Father, that we can uh, tell you what's on our hearts, Father, and we know that you will will hear us, Father, and we know, Father, that uh, no matter what the situation is, Lord, that you um, have a plan, Father, that your plan is uh, is greater than all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, specifically, Lord, we want to come to you with um, some of those who are on our hearts and minds at this time, Father. We want to continue to play, pray for uh, for Roger, Father. We just pray that uh, you'll bless him with strength, Father. We know all the different um, difficulties, Father, he's going through at this time, and different challenges, Father. We just pray that you'll be with him, Father, and, and give him strength and be with uh, those doctors, Father, and nurses who are working with him. And uh, Father, we also want to pray for uh, Miss Jeannie Miles, Father. We just pray that you will uh, be with her, Father, help her um, after her recent Father trip to the hospital, Lord, just help her to, uh, to be able to heal up as well. And uh, we also want to uh, pray for, for Karen Robertson, Father, with the um, infection that they found. Just pray um, also that she'll be able to um, overcome that, Father, to be able to find uh, the proper way to, to treat that. And uh, Lord, we also want to pray for uh, Glenn Burge as he has the MRI coming up, Lord. We just pray that um, they'll be able, in that case as well, Father, to, to find uh, what's going on and in proper way of care. Uh, Father, we're also um, saddened, Father, by the, the loss and the, the Calvert family, Father. We just pray for, for all those family members, Father, and just help us to, to be, uh, Father, a, a shoulder to lean on, Father, this time. And, and we know, Lord, that you can uh, can comfort, Father, and we just pray for that comfort. Uh, Father, there's uh, so many more, Father, we haven't mentioned by name, but we pray for all those situations, Lord, that you will uh, bless those uh, situations with uh, the care that's needed, the, the strength that's needed, Father. And, uh, Lord, we're also just so uh, thankful for um, all the um, different things going on, Father, and in our congregation here, Lord, and we just pray that you'll bless all those activities um, that are, are happening. And I just pray, Lord, that through those activities uh, we can uh, be strengthened, that we, Father, can, can reach out and bring others to know you. And we're excited, Father, that, that uh, Brinkley is able to be an aunt now, Father, and we just pray that you'll bless um, that, that little baby, Father, that uh, you'll bless the whole family, Father, that uh, he'll have a, a strong life. And uh, Lord, we pray that you help us every day to, to be mindful of, of who we serve, Father, of who we uh, represent, Father, that we uh, belong to you, Lord, and we just pray that our actions, Father, will reflect that, that we will uh, be your servants, Father, and uh, we just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to, to be that light. Uh, Lord, there's uh, so many um, this season, Father, who may not be able to uh, be with their families, Lord, we just pray that you'll bless all those situations. Uh, just uh, pray, Father, that we will uh, never take for granted the, uh, the freedoms that we have in uh, this country, those that, that 
are constantly, Father, fighting to, to defend this country. We're so grateful, Lord, that how, ble- how you have blessed us, Father, how you continually bless us. Uh, most of all, Father, we're so thankful for Christ. We're so thankful that he, uh, Father, was uh, part of your plan and that he was willing to, to leave heaven, Father, to, to die on that cross for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.